Father Jonathan, how the heck are you? Father Lugo, I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So uh, I hear that you didn't preach today. I did not. I've You know what? Ooh, I feel kind of guilty saying this. It is 1139 on the dot, and uh-huh. I've not yet been to Mass. <sighs> what are you even doing? What are you even doing? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to do that soon. <laughs> uh, but it's not your turn to preach. But it's not my turn. No, we only do... There's so many of us. That's the problem. That's uh, not a problem. That's isn't that good. a problem? No, that's great. That's really good. Uh, so we only have about one Sunday a month, and I okay. it was last week. How did it go last so week? I've by got the way, a whole other month until I preach again. Last week It'll it probably went well. Be uh, oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, it'll probably be added by the time that you preach again. Um, it was. It went well. It was a bit. It was a difficult reading. I mean, we were talking a lot about tearing down walls, and you know, Jesus said that the the vineyard will be will be taken from those terrible tenants. Um, and so I was kind of, I mean, not go, I didn't go full blown doom and gloom, mm-hmm. but I was like, look folks, we gotta, we gotta start tearing up our walls. And especially these days as we're, you know, getting further and further into this election cycle, it's going to be easier to make our walls uh, bigger, to make mm. them taller and thicker. It's like this is not what Jesus wants. God is constantly trying to break through, and we are constantly building back up. Nice, um, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I like that. So that's I like what that. I did, and I was a little cool. nervous. I actually got a little emotional saying some of that stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm is. glad you did it though. That's, I mean, this is precisely what we should be doing. When it's, I mean, the election season is, it's volatile, and it seems like it's prime it's prime material for us to preach on even though it's really scary like I mean, yeah. people need to be cognizant of the fact that we're conducing to a lot of division and that's not the gospel you know right right um so i got to preach today again as you know i had a steady um i had a steady assignment at a parish and so i preach at the same place same time every week uh, yeah um, i used to have that yeah <laughs> yeah well it's one of the benefits of being in studies is that i i just get assigned a parish and the pastor just expects me to be there every Sunday for that mess. Um, and the homily today I think was really good. It was, um, I got really into it because I don't usually do this, but I started with a personal story, um, <laughs> which is a trope obviously. And it's something that guys do as a gimmick. Um, and some people even say like good public speaking always begins with a, with a personal story, which I'm not convinced by. Uh, I but I did believe that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did it. I did it this time, even though I don't ever do it um, in my preaching. But I did it because, uh, and you'll be very surprised, I think, to hear this. I did not preach on the gospel. Oh, uh, what'd you do? No, nor did I preach on the second reading. Nor did I preach on the first reading. <laughs> hmm. You did the Alleluia verse, didn't you? <laughs> I no, I preached on the Psalm. Oh. Uh, which I was very surprised when I was praying with the readings this morning before mass. I was just so drawn in to Psalm 23, you know, um, which it just didn't hit me when we talked about it last week, but that's what the reading, that's what the reading was. And I got into this whole thing about, it, it came up in my prayer because this was a reading that was very important to me on one of my long, one of my retreats a few years ago, um, where my retreat director asked me to look back over my year, which happened to be a particularly difficult year and say, and ask the Lord to show me how he had been leading me and shepherding me with this text. Um, so I preached a lot on that. And in particular, I honed in on like the dark valley and preaching a lot about 
when we're in darkness, when we're suffering, how we can't just find the nearest exit, you know, and guide ourselves out of the dark valley, but letting the good shepherd to lead us. Um, yeah. But what I what I really took from this myself in my prayer, and that became part of like the main nugget of my homily, was that the reason that the valley is dark is because it's in the shadows of the mountain, and mm-hmm. the shepherd is leading us through the dark valley to go up the mountain of the Lord, which is Isaiah. Um, and so trusting in him and letting him lead us through this dark valley, he's leading us towards his mountain. You know, so we have to have faith and trust that whatever difficulty we're going through, whatever challenge we're facing, the good shepherd is not abandoning us, you know? Yeah. That we're... yeah. Anyway, I thought it was a really good, good nice. thing. So when you do that, uh, preach on the Psalm, uh, which I'm not against, by the way, footnote. Not against. I think it's awesome. Do you feel any desire or compulsion to mention Jesus? <laughs> uh, yeah, like mention yeah. the gospel. <laughs> well, no. So I did. I did end up mentioning the gospel in the end, um, briefly, uh-huh. just because you know the mountaintop in Isaiah and then the wedding feast. So I just sort of mentioned it in the end. Yeah. But when I talk yeah. about the good shepherd, like. Jesus is the good shepherd. And so Psalm 23 is obviously very easy to connect to, to Christ, you know? Right. And then, right. and then one thing that you and I talked about last week is how the invitation need not be ignored. Uh, and so mm-hmm. when we're going through the dark valley and the shepherd invites us to continue to walk with him, to take us to the mountain, we shouldn't ignore him and find our own path. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would certainly feel an obligation to mention Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good. Totally. All right, buddy. So what do you got for this next week, 29th Sunday? So we've got the Caesar thing. And I'm going to be honest, and it is a bit telling, I'm coming to realize as I'm speaking, that I seem to have this take quite often. <laughs> it's like, what do you think Jesus actually means here? Mm. Uh, with rep- repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. Like, okay, like I know the typical tropes that people preach on with these readings, but like, is that is that it? Because it does kind of become kitschy. And what is that kitschy, well, typical like, thing that you oh, remember? Just, you know, like, are you, what, what is it? Like, are you trying to hold on to the things that are not of, of God? Well, give back, give back to the secular world what belongs to the secular world and just ignore it. Like, is that, on, I mean, Take yeah. on what belongs to God. And well, that's not how I've heard it. I mean, the trope that I know of is this is used often to justify civil engagement or paying taxes. Like uh-huh. what we have an obligation to is the Lord, but then we also have a civil obligation because we are also under the authority of our of our leaders. I mean, I've heard it more in that context, you know? Yeah, no, I have heard that. But I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about that a little bit more. But like it's I at least a couple of times I've heard this as kind of the um, like that separation and not just these are the two realities. Mm. So more of like a justification of <clears throat> not being concerned with the things yeah. of the world, but only being concerned right. with the exactly. things of God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, and I don't like that because that doesn't seem to be true to the charism of, of Christianity of we're in or, the world, but I not mean, of the world, you know, and the freaking incarnation Literally, right. <laughs> the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like, how in can the world, we ignore yeah. the world yeah, when yeah, the yeah. word became flesh? Like, that mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me. Right, right. 
Um, okay, so I, this is not, maybe not surprising, because I think this has happened for the past couple of weeks. I think you and I have been struggling with a lot of these readings just because they, they kind of at face value can be easily moralized, kind of like you were just mentioning with this one, or just kind of like boiled down to basically not much. There's not a lot of imagination yeah. going on here. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what to do with it? Like, I could imagine, like, engaging something about, you know, there's, okay, the Pharisees are trying, there's a key word here, they're trying to entrap Jesus. Um, yeah. You know, and then Jesus says, um, why are you, what is it, why are you testing me? Mm-hmm. Um, we could comment, <laughs> yeah, you know, we could comment on Jesus's method here, like, Jesus is savvy, and there's a turn of phrase, and, like, Jesus turns it back on them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but that doesn't seem to really get me anywhere. Um, I'm just kind of uninspired yeah. by it, you know? Yeah, well, it's interesting also that, okay, you've got these, the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians, mm-hmm. who are sympathetic to uh, to Rome, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Do you think they really believe that? <laughs> Um, well, no, <laughs> uh, because they sent their disciples, meaning the disciples of the Pharisees, right? That's how I read that. Yeah. Um, teacher, we know that you are truthful and that you teach the ways of God. Yeah. I'm not sure they believe that because they're trying to trap him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. How they plotted literally the first sentence. They would often plotted how they might entrap Jesus in a speech. Right. And so right. they're, tr- they're like, that's so fascinating. I had never really picked up on that before, that they're trying to plot Jesus by speaking the truth <laughs> about who he is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's sort of an ironic thing going on here. Um, it's kind of like what the demons do. Yeah. Like, they're the ones that recognize that he is the son of God. Right, right. Okay, so here, just I'm going to throw this out there, just a bit of a curveball. Um, you and I started this by just talking a little bit about last week, or what, what we preached uh-huh. on. Um, and you preach about politics. So the first reading mentions Cyrus, the king of the Persians. Um, yeah, so I was about to ask, is that the same, the Cyrus that released them from Babylon? Babylon? Yeah, which is why the he's Lord a hero. to his anointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why he's a hero in the Hebrew scriptures, even though in like human history, he's, <laughs> he's not that well known as a kind <laughs> and gentle person. Um, yeah. So you have Cyrus, the king of Persia, and then in the gospel, you have mention of Caesar, the king of Rome, and Mm -hmm. you have Herod, the king of Israel. So, like, you have all these kings, you know, in the readings this week that you could probably do something with that. Mm. What's what's the message of this week? Maybe are we getting close to Christ the King Sunday? Like, is there a haunting here of... The kingship of the Lord being juxtaposed with the kingship of the world, um, or is there something to be said about like Cyrus being a king in the world, but that works for God's glory, whereas uh, Caesar works for God, like the obstruction of God's will? Um, I don't know. Uh, there could be something here, especially like you're preaching in a context where elections are coming up, and we're talking about the election of, of civic leaders. Like, what what could you glean from any of that? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I do like the idea, as you know, of kind of building up and starting the process of thinking about something huge like Christ the King, you know, the end of our liturgical year. Um, Yeah, and especially with this first reading from Isaiah, because he does talk about 
Cyrus, who has <clears throat> subdued and done, you know, blah, 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 open doors, leaving the gates unbarred. However, like, that's not what this reading really is about. Right. I am the Lord, there is no other. There is no God beside me. Yeah. It is yeah. I who arm you, through, though you know me not. And mm-hmm. so that line in particular stood out to me when I when I read this initially. Like, uh, it is I who arm you, though you know me not. Mm. Like, all, all we can see are these, are the Cyrus, or the Herod, or the Caesar, or the Trump, or the Biden. You know, we've got all these people that we can see, and we try to put our faith in, and our trust in them. And mm-hmm. we try to to put them on this pedestal that's saying, okay, well, they are clearly the ones, and maybe they are, you know, maybe they are the ones that know how to uh, further uh, further society, further our culture, further, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they're not the ones that bring us salvation. No. And they're not the ones who arm us and who defend right. us right. and break right, through right. those barriers. Yeah. And so I think I think you're right. I think you are onto something that there's... There's an invitation here. And I mean, we go back to what you were saying at the beginning. Look at the psalm. Give the Lord glory and honor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think there of... is something of of putting, you know, the Caesar versus... And this, again, is very, very Old Testament. You know, this was the whole Exodus. Mm-hmm, we are putting mm-hmm. the God of Israel up against the gods of Egypt. Yes, yes. Yeah, so as I look at it, we have... Uh, the third, so we still have a while from now until Christ the King. So Christ the King is the 22nd of November. So we still have up until the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. Um, so this is the 29th. The 33rd is the last one before Christ the King. So we got like five so got weeks. a month. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- that could be a really good thing to be, you know, to pitch to a congregation is that, you know, this is yeah. the last month of Ordinary Time and we're kicking it off by talking about God's sovereignty, you know, and God's um, kingship, you know, because we're going to end this month by talking about um, Christ the King, you know, um, and yeah, then how that's, you know, how that leads us into Advent, you know, anyway, so like, yeah. I think there could be something there. And I think one, one little detail that I might throw in too, I, I would love to be able to learn more myself about what glory is and like, hmm. maybe there's a whole homily there. Like, how do we designate glory? So, so think about Cyrus. Cyrus is doing God's will, but then, you know, you, you talk about, like you mentioned, his armor, you know, uh, or his weaponry. And in the gospel, we think about Caesar and the coin. So the wealth, the material wealth, yeah. The, yeah. the military prowess, like that's glory. Or is that not glory? And that's why Jesus is able to dismiss it so easily and say, give Caesar the glory he thinks is his with this coin. Because the glory that I am is the glory of god the father like i don't know there may be something going on there well look at your look at your alleluia verse shine like lights in the world as you hold on to the word of life mm-hmm. what are we holding mm-hmm. on to coins yeah. armor yes 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 or are we holding on to the word of life yeah 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 no that's good you know it makes it makes you kind of wonder uh a little bit about the way in which, oh, here it is. Maybe this is it. So, the from what I understand, maybe I'm wrong here, but from what I understand, my little understanding of the politics of the New Testament, I was under the impression that like the Sanhedrin, like with the Pharisees and all that. I don't know if they're related, but that they weren't really all that chummy with Herod. <laughs> that that 
Herod and the the priestly class and the people of the temple weren't always friends. So like there's a conspiracy here between the Herodians and the temple leadership against Jesus. So it's like it's not only just political authority in Herod, but it's also the religious authority. They have thrown their hat in in the ring uh, with Herod because they they are threatened by Jesus, who is the glory of the living God, you know? So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, Herod was a puppet ruler. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, he was certainly in, he wasn't even a full on, like he grew up in Rome. He did all his studies and whatnot over there. So he was, he was a Roman citizen. Um, And so, yeah, there was that sense of uh, the distrust there that he was bringing in. Um, bringing in foreign, the foreign yeah. Yeah. Yeah, policies yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and players. Um, yeah, and they yeah. throw their hat in with him, you know? Yeah, and that is, yeah, that is an interesting thing, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of a thing, perhaps. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so anyway, yeah, I'm not sure what to do with any of that, but I, I'm, I'm inclined with, I'm inclined towards this conversation around uh, authority and power and like you have the mention of all these powerful men, uh, yeah, I don't know. How would you envision maybe a homily like that going? Yeah, you know, I'm still, I'm still, my imagination is still caught by this idea of the Exodus. Mm. You know how I like to go kind of big picture. Yeah. Um, and especially, okay, especially when we take a, into account that we're talking about Cyrus in our first reading. Mm-hmm. So you've got the the exile, which is kind of like the second. Exodus. Exodus, right, right. Uh, and now, I mean, how many people have you heard um, recently talk about this this season that we're in with coronavirus and with political and social discord and all of that stuff as kind of like an Exodus time? Mm. Like we're kind of out in the desert. We're kind mm. of lost in, in, you know, in enemy territory, <laughs> as yeah, it were. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I wonder if there is, if there's a good, I wonder if there's a good homily there when we're talking about, especially, you know, are we, who are we looking to for our strength? There you go. Is it, yeah. Yeah. Is it the yeah. enemy of my enemy? Is my, is the person that I'm going to rely on? Or again, going back to this idea, like from, from last week, you know, as our walls go up, are we, are we going to allow God to break through? And mm-hmm, give us that mm-hmm. true strength. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. And um, and and here we go. Are we going to see the the Herods, the Caesars, the Cyruses? As, I mean, okay, we don't look at people as means, but like, uh, they've got a role to play. Yes. Yes. You know, Biden and Trump have a role to play. Mm-hmm. Can they play that role and not become? The, sal- the salvation of the world, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which right, is what we right. want to put on them, right? It's what Caesar wanted for himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think if I were to be preparing a homily this week, and it seems like you would too, uh, it's hinging on this question of who is our savior, um, yeah. and where is God's glory coming? Like, who who are we giving glory to? You know, and ultimately, like maybe giving glory to God is confessing him as savior. Like to name him yeah. as my savior is to give him glory. And perhaps that's, that's what Jesus is getting at with this last line of the gospel. When we repay to Caesar, what belongs to Caesar and to God, what belongs to God, that's exactly what he's talking about. 
Hmm. Like, what are you repaying to God? What have you been given? And how are you repaying? Yeah. yeah. Like, we, obviously, we can't repay any of this, right? That's the whole point. Like, all of it is gift. Yes. Uh, yeah. But we can give so God glory. Yeah. That? Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I think it's going to end up being something where I probably, I would like to be able to do this. I don't know if I can, but like connecting the Cyrus, the Caesar, the Herod, the Pharisees together, I think does get us to a conversation in the homily about who are we actually worshiping (laughs) in our lives? You know, Um, like that's kind of the fundamental question for me is when it comes to a matter of glory and honor, then it's a matter of worship. Like, who are you worshiping? There's that great, uh, I realize we're out of time, but there's that great song from Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> with Simon <laughs> the Zealot, uh, where he's trying to urge Jesus on to, you know, preach, preach uh, mercy and forgiveness, but just a little tinge of hate at Rome, you know. Oh wow! And Jesus is like, you have no idea what glory and honor and power is. <laughs> wow! 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 No, that's good. I think it's going to be around there somewhere. Yeah. Cool, man. Any parting thought? No, no. Go pray. All right, buddy. Till next time.